The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is David Pizarro from Cornell University, co-host of the Very Bad Wizards podcast, and I never listen to I Doubt It with Dolomore. I also never smoke crack. That's the stuff. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dolomore. Everybody, welcome to the show, and thank you for joining us, one and all new and old listeners alike. This is episode 503 of I Doubt It with Dollamore, and I'm your host, Jesse Dollamore, and I am joined today, as I always am, by the lovely, the talented, the scholarly best part of the program, Brittany Page. I feel like we need to give you some recognition, though, because... I need no recognition. No, we do need to give you some recognition, because <laughs> it is really hard out there for the straight white men. Oh. Is it not? <laughs> it's, uh, let me say... It is so hard out there. You guys have a target on your back. I heard this. <laughs> I heard this from someone else, and... I, I was trying to think of a joke, but... I think it's important to use the platform that we have here (laughs) to ensure that we are really talking about this serious issue of straight white men having a target on their back. Listen, I've been a straight white man for all of my life. Mm -hmm. Tough time for you. And uh, it's been a very hard road to hoe. (laughs) Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You have no idea with your female privilege uh yeah you have no idea what i go through many in the audience whether you be gay or trans or 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 a minority black brown Mm -hmm. you don't know what it's like no for a straight white male such as myself Mm. to get ahead in life yeah hopefully people that are new listeners all of the breaks (laughs) all of the breaks go to to all of you all and none of them are showered upon the straight white men like me. I'm scared for the new listeners. They may have already turned off the show. <laughs> They're like, well, we're 200, we're two minutes and 43 seconds in, and uh, this is fucking bullshit. Yeah. So here's what happened. We, <laughs> here's, because here's obviously, obviously we're joking. Right? Of course we're joking. It's a ridiculous fucking thing. To say. So ridiculous that when it was said, Brittany erupted in laughter. Mm-hmm. Well, how can you not? So we took a lift and this happens to us quite often, actually, that we are in lifts and something weird happens. And I think that it has happened so much that we posted this on social media and people were like, what the hell is with you guys 
and Lyft drivers. Well, like, how do you away. keep having these conversations yeah. where these kind of topics come up? And I think, number one, like you just said, that you kind of take it there because yeah. these are the things that you talk about. But also, you made a good point about how we live in the greater Los Angeles area, we'll say, Orange County, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a lot of people have aspirational goals of making it in the entertainment industry. That right? is right. And so in this particular instance, our Lyft driver started promoting his YouTube channel. And we'll get there in a second. Pretty but much right away it happened. Yeah, I want to talk about how hilarious it was when it happened. But I, I do want to say that I had this guy pegged almost immediately because I, I don't know how the topic came up, but he kept referring to gay men as homosexuals. Homosexuals. Like he's putting a lot of stank on it. Right, which isn't necessarily well, you know, like when homosexuals do this or homosexuals do that. Right. It, it isn't necessarily a problem in and of itself. It's just it was indicating something to me the way that it was being well, said. No, I can tell you how we got there. We okay. were talking about bad lift experiences. Mm. And he was saying there have been times where homosexual men That's right. touch him while yes. he's driving. Right, because they're so attracted to him. Yeah, and they're so drunk. Uncontrollably, wildly right. attractive man that... Yeah. You know, the homosexuals yeah. can't keep their hands off of him. Right. Because they're not sentient beings with agency. They're like, yeah, this mediocre dude, he's just too much for me. Right. And you <laughs> you were trying to make a point that, because he was trying to act like that's just how gay men behave. That's right. And that they feel like they can get away with it with straight white men. Like he was making all of these ridiculous arguments. Wild and, assertions. And you were trying to make the point that it's it's men. Yeah, I don't think it's a gay dude thing. It's a dude thing, if anything. And 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 so even with um, instances where that that may happen to straight white men, um, and I've heard stories from people where where straight white men have had gay men touch them yeah. without their consent and things like yeah, that. Add a little alcohol into the mix, and dudes get a little randy, whether they be straight or gay. It's a fucking problem. But. <laughs> But in, in those instances, I've heard uh, the the straight men talk about uh, how they feel like women in those instances because they feel like the the boundary is being crossed or they and feel they like can't what say it, anything. For, and, a, for me, I would say that it feels like what it must feel like to be a woman. Yeah, I would never I mean. say I felt because I, I have no fucking idea. But yeah. If, if all of it, I mean, it just, it seems that way. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. you were trying to prevent this person from just doing this broad yeah, yeah, labeling yeah. of gay people as being essentially like sexual predators right, against right. straight men. Well, then he took a, I don't know how you want to get to when he took the right turn. Well, I'm getting there now because yeah, the literal this is right literally turn what then- he said. He said, so before you guys got in the car, I was listening to myself. <laughs> Yeah, like it was a hard no segue. And I, I'm like, oh, here it comes. And yeah. I literally texted you. I said, here comes the hard sell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because I knew what was coming. And I, of course, gave him the out. What do you mean? Right. And then how are you listening to yourself? Yeah, he talked about his YouTube channel, which we're not going to promote. We're not going to promote at all. It only has like five subscribers. It doesn't matter. But we're not doing that. And um, he, he it's clear that he's a Nazi. We'll, has, we'll just come uh, around to that. I'm not going to go that far, but the channel has the word Viking in it. So, the something Viking, which is really okay, too much. I will, I will, I will back 
pedal a little bit. I will say it's not clear that he's a Nazi, but I will say he's probably a member of the alt-right. It's certainly flirting with white supremacist ideologies. Yes. Certainly that. 100%. And so we, there's 100%. So we, um, (laughs) (laughs) so this, Uh. this discussion started. And then as we were very close to our destination, he said, you know, straight white men, they just have a target on their back. And I started laughing hysterically because it was, I just knew it was coming and then it happened and it was hilarious. You'd been almost silent up to this point and then you... I'm seriously, I mean, everybody loves Britney's laugh. Mm-hmm. It was loud, uproarious, and uncontrollable. I mean, it was comical. And then what ended up happening you is- You also put a little, as I say, a little extra stank on it. Well- t- To kind of a, uh, fuck you, dude. So right when this happened, though, he missed the turn for the restaurant. Right, and so it, it was the perfect opportunity for me to be a little extra hateful. <laughs> And I said, yeah, straight white men also really struggle with directions. Am I right? right? right and right. Um, then the car had stopped and I was able to get out and leave immediately because that is what I wanted to do. But it was so strange to have someone just say that. And he actually started saying, you know, you drive into downtown L.A. as a straight white man. And I got I had left the car at that point. I didn't hear what he was right, saying. Right, right. But uh, I I guess I should have stayed to hear the nah. rest of that sentence. There, like, what happens to well, you one, as a straight white man yeah. driving into downtown Los Angeles? He didn't finish the sentence, for one. What's happening to you? But, <laughs> I mean, it, it's a ridiculous assertion just on its face that that the, the power... Stri- for, we've had 44 men... President of the United States, 44 ostensibly straight white men. There's questions about Abraham Lincoln, but 44 dudes have been president of the United States who have been straight white men. We've we're doing okay as a as a group. The majority of Congress and leadership in the United States are straight white men. The patriarchy is alive and fucking well. We're not hurting for leadership positions. There's no target on our backs. Well, and so some people may hear this and go, I mean, I doubt that this is going to happen, but some people may think, well, you wouldn't know what his argument is because you just laughed at him. And I would say, yeah, sure. The lift driving time probably isn't the best place to like get into a Jordan B. Peterson <laughs> debate. You know what I'm right, saying? Right. Like, when, when is the good like time? Like talking really? to this incel when I'm in the back seat and he's driving. I would prefer like not to do that. Uh, that's why I wanted to leave the situation because I didn't want to be yeah. being driven around by an incel any longer than I needed to. And <laughs> I. I I would be interested generally to know, right, why he thinks that there's a target on his back as a straight white man. But given his opinions about, quote unquote, the homosexuals, I'm not sure that he's a reasonable person who's using logic. Right. So I I don't know how worth it it would be anyway if I were to sit down and really get to the bottom of why he feels the target has been placed on his back. Well, it's listen, it's not an it's not an uncommon narrative in Trump land. That's a thing that gets talked about all the time. On Tucker Tucker Carlson's a guy who who's fronting like uh, men's right activist topics. Exactly. As though they're mainstream and real. That's 
it's ridiculous. Well, 99.9% of combat deaths are men. Yeah, and men create policies that don't allow women into combat, fucko. Mm -hmm. Men, it's men. We're the fucking problem. If if societal change is going to happen right now the way it is, it's going to happen at the hands of men. Now, there is a larger percentage of women who, who are running for office and who are in office and in power. That is awesome. But up to this point... That's not the way it's been. During the Vietnam era is when they really talk about it. Well, I, it's 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 policy designed by dudes. I also I was watching this like 46 minute long debate among feminists, uh, conservative and liberal feminists or not feminists on Vice News, hmm. the YouTube channel. And I honestly don't know how I made it through the whole thing, but I did. (laughs) And there was one woman who was a conservative. I don't think she identified as a feminist. And she started talking about like Christina Hoff Summers. Yeah. And she noted that men no longer get... Um, the the proportion of men getting college degrees has fallen. Now women are getting the most college degrees. Okay. And as though this like signals a problem for men, you know, did it signal a problem for women when they weren't right. in the lead getting college degrees? That's the question that gets ignored. So how are we kind of basing this argument about what the struggle is? Is it because they aren't dominating every area of society yes. anymore? And there are women that are doing better than them on certain metrics. What, what is the point of this conversation? Yeah, well, it's it's like the, I don't know how, how to, what the saying is off the top of my head, but it's something about you know when you're used to supremacy, equality feels like oppression. It's mm-hmm. something like that, mm-hmm. and that's that's what it is. It's the problem is is that the 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 Trump mindset and it's existed longer than Trump, but we'll just put it in modern terms. The Trump mindset has it convinced even some women. Of that, women who probably grew up in a in a Christian household where the the man is the spiritual head of the household and women are to be quiet and if you have a question you ask your husband later. All of that kind of permeates and trickles down mm-hmm. onto our Judeo Christian uh, nation, right? And the, the anyway, it's you know. Yeah, <laughs> it's a ridiculous fucking argument because there's not a goddamn chance that straight white men are having it bad at all and will not have it bad for the foreseeable future Mm -hmm. well it's also so and you can break this down in several different areas is it that men are having to like second guess the behavior that they engage in and go wait a minute should i do this on the date that i'm on or should i how should i navigate this like sexual relationship that i want to have yeah welcome to the club Okay, women have had to navigate like what happens when a man gets on the elevator with them and then gets off the the same floor as them. And I mean, we have been having to think about all of these different things in terms of danger and crossing lines and protecting ourselves. And now you have to do those things, too. Like, thank you for joining the conversation and actually being a part of it. You know, you mean I don't just get oppressed willy nilly. Everyone I come in contact with. Oh, I'm. There's a target on my back. Yeah. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. So and it's a bummer that he feels that way, you know, but he obviously feels so strongly that he is correct, that he felt comfortable saying that to strangers. Yeah. That's the weird thing. You know, (laughs) it is the weird thing for me. It was very strange. Because this is a guy who looks at alpha maleness as traditional masculinity. Right. Mm -hmm. When, come on, dude, Uh, you know. Yeah. 
I don't know. It, 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 this is a thing we've we've talked about even recently with that Gillette ad, and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it just it's fucking jackassery. I, I don't get it at all. Mm-hmm. Being a man and being masculine is about security. You know, be secure in whatever the fuck you got going on. It's not about you know having a beard or being a fucking Viking or whatever douchery that you're sucked into. It's yeah. Be you and be confident. And be. Fucking also the ugh. the Viking obsession, a little close yeah. to being racist. Yeah, right. right. No, no, and you know more about that than than clearly me. That's yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. Odin and Freya and the whole fucking mythology of whiteness. Yes, yes. That's a thing. That's 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 a strain that runs through Aryan nations and and white supremacy. Yeah, for sure. An organized series of thought, and you were taught like you were given color books as a kid. Yeah. With Odin and Freya and this whole white mythology. Yeah, Norse mythology. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we had, there, there were little like Viking head statues that were on the walls and we were descendants of the Vikings and, you know, all of that is very... Spoiler alert, you're not. Yeah, well, we'll see. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, so as soon as I was, I was just hearing all these buzzwords and I was like, red flag, red flag, red flag. And then, you know, the final thing happened. So yeah, we didn't get into that. Well, we were in the car for very long. I'm sure it would have, it would have happened eventually. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God. So anyway, Mm -hmm. thank you for joining us. Yeah. In our lives that happens on a day-to-day <laughs> well, I, basis. I do want to say, though, because I felt almost judged where people are like, "What? what is happening where you guys keep on having these conversations yeah, with Lyft drivers? Yeah, here's, the, here's the deal. And, it's kind of sparked by me because I don't shy away from shit. Yeah. I, I've told multiple... I've, I've gotten into religion with Lyft drivers, and I, I don't care about that. Because, mm-hmm. you know... the. The topics that you're not supposed to, air quotes, not supposed to talk about. Yeah. Like, oh, you're at the bar. No politics, no religion. Well, fuck. What the fuck? Let's talk about the weather then. <laughs> Let's shy away from all the most important and fascinating topics in our lives. Mm-hmm. Th- that's not the way I roll. Yeah. So maybe it's unfair of me to put that on a guy who's driving who might want to avoid. I mean, he, this guy did not want to he avoid it. He did not it, yeah. want to avoid that. But others, you know, but I'm, I'm also, I'm still kind of sick. Um, I don't, uh, if I get the gauge that a guy's not, in, you know, not engaging, mm-hmm. I will, eh, I'll back off that. Yeah. I'm not, you know, forcing someone to talk to uh, about uncomfortable topics. Right. But if someone wants to talk. Excuse me, sir, sir. What is your view on abortion? You're going to tell me right, <laughs> right now. Right, yeah. I, it's not sir, like that. Sir, I would like you to pull over. If you're not going to answer this question, this I need to get a new driver. <laughs> unless I know what you're going to get a are. one star, sir. Engage me right you, now. That's prick shit. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Engage me. So, anyway. Yeah. Good times. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> what an auspicious way to start the, uh, the show. Yeah. The 503rd numbered episode mm-hmm. of the program yeah last few episodes we've talked as a carryover from a story we talked about where kids are getting more homework earlier on in life we had a couple a voicemail or an email about it and it's continued over and i, I want to play this the caller gets cut off because apparently three minutes is uh too short uh, a time limit but the caller gets i want to i, I want to play this because this is someone who's actually not a parent who's 
who's raising a child, rearing a child, doing homework. This is actually a high school student who's got his issues with the system. Hi, my name is Alex. I'm leaving a voicemail regarding uh, the most recent episode with the homework thing. I wanted to give my personal take on it. As someone who's about to graduate high school this year, the fact that that they're trying to add more homework into grade school, I find is very stupid. In my personal opinion, comic, like my, my personal gripe with the education system is that it's insanely broken, especially ever since Common Core was introduced when I was eight years old or whenever that was. And the problem I have with it is just how outdated everything is, and I feel like that many politicians, especially the Democrats, don't seem to understand. I mean, I'm a lifelong Democrat. I've voted Democrat, my family votes Democrat, but the one issue that they seem to struggle with is education. And with the whole homework situation, it doesn't do us any good. Because of all the stupid schoolwork I've had to do in grade school, middle school, and high school, all it's done for me is give me anxiety, and it's really not helped my mental health because after six to eight hours of work. I have to come home and do another four or five hours, and it's especially frustrating when it, uh, what's, when people have different learning styles. Now, for me, I'm a very creative person. I love to draw. I love to write. I like to do stuff like that, and I also love history, like talking about politics, American history, all that stuff. Now, for the most part, I've had straight A's or at least good grades because I have a good work ethic, but the one subject I would struggle with would be algebra, and so my report card would be A's and B's, and then algebra would be a C or D, depending on how difficult it was, and they they just didn't care. They didn't care that I was a very independent learner. They forced this crap on me when it made no use to me, and while I've since managed to just fix that algebra, those algebra grades and survive, I'm leaving school with very negative opinions of the system. And what I found ever since I was 12 years old and discovered the Internet is that I learn a lot more through independent learning through the Internet, sites like Skillshare, The Great Courses Plus, and even YouTube with the educational entertainment channels that teach you stuff in a way that I understand. And the fact that many schools are trying to give kids homework at a young age is just going to give them more stress, and it's going to make them hate education even more. Because at this age, kids should not be worried about that. They should be trying to grow up, learn how to have fun and all that. And what I feel about the government should do and what some Democrats should do, especially the Justice Democrats, is push state, push education. No! Right when he was getting to how to fix everything. Mm. Well, listen, Alex, um, it's hard because I, I want to be supportive because I'm also in the same boat as Alex here. Mm-hmm. I'm a far better writer and I have far greater interest in, well, let's just put it this way. I was a moron and still am at math. It's one of the things I most greatly regret about my time in school was because it was so difficult for me. I just kind of was a puss about it mm-hmm. and gave up. Mm-hmm. Very pusillanimous, Bernie Page, about the math. Mm. You're also not a genius in the mathematics department. That is correct. I largely put that on my own shoulders, though. 
not a refusal to learn, mm-hmm. but a laziness about it. I'm not going to say that about Alex. I don't know Alex. Mm-hmm. But there were some some things that, for instance, if you found that you could learn things better on YouTube, I would assume, Alex, that you did go to YouTube and you learned what you needed to learn about the algebra and you probably got a good grade, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, mm-hmm. we didn't, the call got cut off. I don't want to seem like the dad character here. You know what I mean? Like, oh, well, when I was your age, because everybody's different. But I would say that you are saying things that do come across as kind of childish. It's not a kid's job to learn how to have fun. That comes natural for kids, how to have fun. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. When you elementary... I think those are ages where, yeah, the, the the division of labor between learning and having a good time can be a little bit more balanced. When you get into high school where you're preparing for college, where they don't give a fuck how much fun you have, it, it is time to pile on a little homework just as a preparative measure mm-hmm. to get you ready for college. Yeah. Even, and then the... the the, the switch from regular undergrad college to graduate school, and I'm speaking from my observation of Brittany Page because I don't have an advanced degree, was enormous. A lot of tears shed, a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety going from college to grad school. Mm-hmm. So, I, listen, I think the education system may be broken or may be damaged, may need a little work. I certainly wouldn't put it on the Democrats. I certainly wouldn't put it on the Republicans. I think there, there's more knee-jerk jackassery on the, on the part of, of Republicans relative to sh- like shitting on Common Core. I hear all the time, oh, Common Core, Common Core, Common Core. No one ever gives me a like a, an actual reasoned argument about why they just saw Common Core, right. which was a, a George W. Bush um, Kennedy. Mm-hmm. Ted Kennedy thing where they teamed up and made this thing. It was a very bipartisan measure. Well, and I know math teachers who teach Common Core and they will talk about Common Core as yes, it is not intuitive, right? Like like people were raised yeah. doing math, especially when you do the fundamental concepts, it seems like you're doing all this extra work that doesn't seem important. But what happens is is you're you're doing the initial building blocks that will help you do the advanced concepts. Yeah, yeah. Like foiling and things like that. So on the basic math, it seems like what the hell am I doing all this extra work for? Well you're doing it because once you get to the advanced stage of math it's just pro built in. Right. It, it just in. translates directly over to yeah. what you've already been learning. And so a lot of times parents say, well, I didn't have to do this when I was growing up and I know how to do maths. Um, And and there is a reason behind it, at least according to people who teach math. I don't do that, but I'll take their word for it because they're teaching it. But I do want to say two things about the voicemail. One of them is teachers. Right. So I, I think teachers play a huge role here. I had terrible math teachers. So did I. I also had a great math teacher, but unfortunately, I only had him for one year. And the other math teachers that I had, not great. Now, it's not an excuse. I should have been invested in my education. but be- my, my best math teacher was in college. Yeah. And I only had her for two separate classes. And yeah. she, if I had had her in high school, whole, who fucking knows? 
I probably would not be sitting behind this microphone right now. So I think that there there is a discussion to be had about even the teachers that you get, right? Some are going to be more invested in ensuring that kids are having a good time, having unique assignments that really teach them the, the fundamental concepts that they, they need to know, right? But I also want to say that learning styles... This is a a controversial thing in psychology because, I mean, generally the evidence suggests that they're a myth. Learning styles. Yeah, that huh. people think they're they're this learning Visual style or that learning style. Right. Yeah. And that's generally not the case. The evidence doesn't support that. Yeah. Hmm. So I know that that's kind of a popular thing that people say. But if they were to actually take like a questionnaire that were to give them a learning style and then they were to, for example, um, start studying in a way that really aligns with that learning style, that they wouldn't do any better on their tests. Huh. And there's actually been studies that find that. So um, just take that with a grain of salt, I guess. Right. Yeah. I, I would just say this. <laughs> if I have any advice for you, Alex, it's find what you love, pour yourself into it. But leave yourself um, an exit valve, if you would. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, if you love the drawing, you love the history, you love that kind of artistic kind of a thing, pursue that. For sure. But also, don't neglect the things that you might have to fall back on, because not every straight white male has it as lucky as Jesse D has, Yikes. where he's found the a podcast and a YouTube channel. My path to what I'm doing is not normal. Mm-hmm. And it's not for everybody. Yeah. And I'm not saying that's what Alex is looking for, but you, you just got to deal with reality on reality's terms. And I think schools could do a better job of that, too. Fuck yeah, they could. Helping students to kind of identify alternative career paths that might be good for them, uh, really finding what their passion might be. And there's a lot of disagreement even on that issue, right? Some parents are very motivated and want their kids to just make money, don't necessarily want them to have a passion. They just want them to be able to be self-sufficient. Yeah, right, right. Uh, so, Financially secure. Yeah, so it really varies, but it seems like it's important to actually do something that is important to you in life and gives value for sure adds value financial security is very important but i think happiness is more important Mm -hmm. contentment yeah and if you can be happy with a you know medium income lifestyle then fucking be happy Mm -hmm. that is what is going to be tantamount and paramount at the end of your life no one is lying on their deathbed saying oh if only i'd worked 50 hours a week instead of 40, I'd be complete right now. Yeah. (laughs) You don't want to struggle because there's stress involved with that. And that's a goddamn bummer. Yeah. When people are dying, they're not like, oh, I'm not going to be able to pay my debts. No, the debt just goes away. It's fine. (laughs) That's right. You know what I won't regret when I'm on my deathbed? The delicious snacks that I had. (laughs) The delicious snacks. The time that I spent with my loved ones. The the bottles of wine that I drank with friends Mm -hmm. and the great conversations. Those are the things that matter in life. Yeah. You got to make sure you're able to live to have those experiences and that's where the job comes in. And helping other people, of course. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Anyway, Alex, listen, I, I didn't mean to come down like a dick on your brother. I didn't. I hope that didn't come across. But you know, I'm I am a a grown man, and you're getting ready to be a grown man. I'm just, you know, imparting a little wisdom. Trick, it's trickle down economics 
on the the, the life experience front. Mm. Maybe this will work because trickle down economics doesn't work in real life. Mm. <laughs> moving the conversation forward. Uh, yes. Speaking of that, moving on. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash idoubtitwithdollamore. We have one new Patreon supporter. Yes. Brian. Brian! And then we have three Patreon supporters who upped their pledge. Yes. And uh, two of those people actually doubled their pledge. Holy shit. So we'll shit. give a shout out to Sean. Sean. And Kim. Kim. And then we have someone who tripled their pledge. What? what? Yes. Holly. Wow. Beautiful. God, seriously. We really appreciate that. Look at that support. Th- that is... Well, last time, you know, we talked on the show last time that we are, we're not, we're not in the, we've dipped below the third episode territory again. Yes. Which is, which is fine. We're not, we weren't guilting. We weren't whining. We were, it's no, just what it is. definitely not. Yeah. It is just what it is. For sure. And, you know, a lot of people stepped up. I actually got a message from Sean who yeah. said, God, I want to do my part. We, and we, we love the shit out of you, Sean. Sean's an early adopter of the program. Very much so. We have a special place in our hearts Yes. For those who, who've been around for uh for as long as they have. It's it's a beautiful thing. I mean, yeah. anyway, I don't wanna You don't wanna cry again. Get emotional like yeah. I did last time on the show. Well, so. it's it's always good. It's always good for people to hear that. Yeah, well, you know, we still got the rest of the night to go and I don't wanna It might happen later, you're we, saying? No, a swollen eye guy. It's oh, a bummer. I see. Crying I see. is I mean, it's awesome. It makes me feel good. It yeah. does make me feel good. But there's there's physiological symptoms that take him. You know, I want to get into a to to an Uber or a Lyft later, and they'll be like, "Oh Jesus, having a rough day, huh?" I, I don't want that. Okay. You, know, you know what I mean? Are you going to be taking another Lyft? I mean, I've been trying. I got a glass of wine in front of me. Who knows where the night's going to take me? All right. Who fucking knows, Brittany Page? Mm-hmm. I do what I want. Sounds like it. I do a lot of what I want. Sounds like it. Democracy facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So Donald Trump's taxes are on the table as far as something that might be gotten by the Democrats in the House. I think the audience knows our love of Anderson Cooper. There's a couple characters on the CNN that we we admire. Mm-hmm. Everybody makes mistakes. Course. Yeah. J-Tap. I don't know that he's ever made a mistake. He's pretty fucking perfect. <laughs> Perfection. <laughs> but Anderson Cooper is another guy that we we really admire a lot. Mm-hmm. And he, he did this takedown of Donald Trump debunking Trump's tax return claims that I thought was important enough to share with the audience. Good evening. We begin tonight keeping him honest with President Trump retaining legal counsel and reportedly willing to fight all the way to the Supreme Court so no one can see his tax returns, which is not what he seemed to say he would do. Will you release any of your tax returns for the public to scrutinize? Well, we're working on that now. Very big returns, as you know, and I have everything all approved and very beautiful, and we'll be working on that over the next period of time, Jeff. Absolutely. (laughs) 
So that was in January of 2016. Tonight, we truly know that by next period of time, the president actually meant what the guy in that famous New Yorker cartoon meant. How about never, he says, is never good enough for you. Except that's not what candidate Trump said. He said he was being audited and that somehow made it impossible for him to release his returns, which is not true. And we've seen no evidence of an audit. Now, there's no law saying a candidate has to release his or her tax returns. Yet every presidential nominee since Cheryl Ford has made his taxes public in one form or another. Some like Ford only gave a summary. Some put out more years than others. But it's a custom they followed in part to reassure voters that the president of the United States would be acting in the public interest and not for private gain. Well, now the Democrats are in control of the House. They've decided they should see the president's return. So Wednesday, the chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee sent the IRS a request for the president's six most recent tax returns. Today, we learned the president has hired lawyers to block the move. His attorney, in a letter to the Treasury Department, calling it, and I'm quoting here, a transparent effort by one political party to harass an official from the other party because they dislike his politics and speech. He goes on to say, even when Ways and Means can identify some legitimate committee purpose, it cannot request tax returns and return information to punish taxpayers for their speech or politics. So that's just a part of a densely packed multi-pronged legal argument, which we'll talk about uh, more in a minute. The president also weighed in about his taxes. Nothing whatsoever. I have nothing to say about it. It's uh, I got elected. They elected me. Now they keep going. I'm uh. under audit. When you're under audit, you don't do it. But I'm under audit. Other people are under audit, and nobody would do it when you are going through an audit. And I always go through audits. They audit me all the time. So that's the president today making somewhat less coherent version of the explanation he first began using more than three years ago. Namely, I'd love to do it, but. As far as my return, I want to file it, except for many years, I've been audited every year, 12 years or something like that. Every year they audit me, audit me, audit me. Nobody gets audited. I have friends that are very wealthy people. They never get audited. I get audited every year. I will absolutely give my return, but I'm being audited now for two or three years, so I can't do it until the audit is finished, obviously. And I think people would understand that. So keep in mind, he says nobody gets audited, not even his wealthy friends, but he also says he always gets audited every year for 12 years, but then he says it's actually two or three or something. In any case, he's suggesting that by being audited, that precludes showing your taxes Again, it doesn't. Richard Nixon disclosed his taxes during an audit. On top of that, President Trump has never produced any official evidence that he is being audited, not to the public, not even to his former attorney and fixer, Michael Cohen, who was asked about it during his congressional testimony. Mr. Cohen, do you know whether President Trump's tax returns were really under audit by the IRS in 2016? I don't know the answer. I asked for a copy of the audit uh, so that I could use it in terms of my um, statements to the press, and I was never able to obtain one. So possibility one, there is or was an audit or audits, but the president didn't want to show one of his closest advisors the evidence of it. Or possibly two, there's no audit and the president just doesn't want to show anyone his taxes, which is understandable for a whole host of possible reasons. They could show he's worth less than he claims or that he doesn't give much to charities, as his actions with the now defunct Trump Foundation suggest. Or he could be engaged in some sort of shady tax schemes. The New York Times detailed in a massive investigative report last October. No, we don't know. That's exactly the reason candidates release their returns. It's called transparency. But Donald Trump does not like that. He certainly doesn't like transparency. No. It's a matter of fact. Mm -hmm. Here's what's interesting to me. Is that his legal team is now setting up this argument that even if 
the Congress has legitimate legislative priorities relative to pulling his taxes because they have to have just justification. According to the law, if they have real, or not real, if they have legislative things going on and they're looking at someone's taxes in order to create legislation, then they get the taxes. The IRS commissioner shall, not may, if he thinks it's a good idea, shall turn over the, the tax returns. Yeah, the Internal Revenue Code states, quote, upon written request from the chairman of the Committee on the Ways and Means of the House of Representatives, the chairman of the Committee on Finance of the Senate, or the chairman of the Joint Committee on Taxation, the secretary shall furnish such committee with any return or return information specified in such request. Shall furnish the returns. Shall is the key word there. So, what what his legal team is setting up now is, yeah, even if they have a legitimate legislative priority, they're still doing it for this, this, and this reason. I do not predict that's going to stand up in court. Now, I'm really trying to stay positive, Jesse D, on this because Donald Trump is now rapidly trying to stack the courts with his guys and Mitch McConnell just allowed that to happen by scuttling 241 years of Senate precedent on the filibuster, on cloture rules. To now it's just, rather than like seven, many, many hours of debate, it's like 30 minutes or some bullshit. It's insane. I don't know the exact numbers. I shouldn't talk without knowing them. But it goes against the deliberative, bo the deliberative body nature of the United States Senate, which is far different than the House. Anyway, I'm going far afield here. It's unfortunate, though, that all Republicans are defending Donald Trump. Yeah, it's very weird. And not in favor of this move. It's, it's weird to me when they stand. I was watching the clip that you just heard the audio of earlier today and when he's standing there talking about being under audit kevin mccarthy sitting next to him and all these republican leadership people are down at the border listening to him say this with like serious faces not like dude what the fuck this is embarrassing mm -hmm. you said you would release your taxes you're a fucking liar the only thing the only logical reason is that you're trying to keep something hidden mm -hmm. every other man who has been president of the United States has released his taxes for like 40 fucking years. We also have Republicans like Mitt Romney who have been, you know, part of the Republican resistance in a light way, right? When it's convenient for, for that's them. Exa that's exactly. It's resistance light. And he was, he was asked about the Democrats move to get Trump's tax returns. And he called it moronic, a moronic yeah, attempt. Fuck him. And and so even he's, someone he's useless like Joe Manchin. Joe Manchin's useless. Fuck that guy. Fuck him. He's so, don't count on him to say anything or do anything normal. Anyway, I'm flying off the handle. Yeah, just a bit. <sighs> deep breathe. Deep breathing. <laughs> deep breathing exercises commence. Woo. So anyway, we're following that. My prediction. Hopefully, I'll get to you know to blast the horns. <laughs> Hopefully that'll happen. I love the horns, so you know I gotta mm -hmm. play the horns. Yeah. Um, 
because one, I think we'll be better for it as a nation. And if the, if the House is able to pass some reg, some taxes, some regulation, some law, some statutory requirement relative to the IRS or relative to presidential candidates actually releasing their taxes, that is a good thing. More transparency is better in every aspect of the government. I mean, some there are some things relative to intelligence or counterintelligence and national security that everybody doesn't need to know because if the good guys know, then the bad guys know. I get that. But relative to our leaders, transparency is good. Somebody said that the best disinfectant is sunlight, and I believe that to be true. The next big news is that Secretary of, um, I almost said Housing and Urban Development, that would be actually be good if Ben Carson just like went on an extended nap and fell asleep, and then they got somebody else. Secretary Kirsten Nelson has stepped down, and uh, I'll talk about it, but that means that now we have an acting Homeland Security Secretary, an acting Secretary of Defense, an acting interior secretary and an acting white house chief of staff now the white house chief of staff doesn't have to be confirmed by the senate but those other positions do and donald trump is skirting the law he is skirting the the constitution disrespecting the order of things by not having these people face the united states senate and the confirmation process which is a time-tested Founding fathers developed system of checks and balances. Right. And Donald Trump just, you know, he's a king. He wants to be a fucking autocrat. Anyway, uh, Kirsten, again, bearing the lead here, Kirsten Nelson stepping down. Our breaking news here on CNN from the White House, a key member of the president's cabinet, the secretary of Homeland Security, Kirsten Nielsen, has resigned. Let's get back to the White House and CNN's Boris Sanchez. Boris, what more do we know about what happened? We know the two met at the White House today. The president announced she is leaving. Oh, that's right, Anna. According to a source, uh, the meeting did not go well with President Trump. Uh, the meeting was put in place after Friday's trip to the border uh, in Calexico, California. Uh, Secretary Nielsen was there with President Trump, and according to sources, President Trump had several questions for Secretary Nielsen. That's why this meeting was scheduled. Uh, sources indicate that she had no intention of resigning. Uh, however, uh, according to several people within the administration, it was clear that President Trump wanted to make some changes because he's unhappy with immigration policy in the United States, specifically when it comes to those migrants seeking asylum. We understand a source close to Secretary Nielsen indicates that she expected to be fired at any moment. Uh, she believed that she was on thin ice with President Trump. She took a, a trip overseas to meet with some interior ministers of the G7, but quickly returned uh, when she realized uh, that things were so precarious. Uh, sources indicate that she did a number of TV interviews trying to appeal to President Trump. As you know, Anna, he loves watching television, and he's really pleased when he sees people within his administration defending his policies. Apparently, that did not work uh, because it appears that uh, the meeting with her and President Trump did not go well. We should point out, sources have indicated that she was blindsided by uh, some moves by the White House, notably the pulling of Ron Vitello's nomination to lead Immigration and Customs Enforcement, an agency that Nielsen would have overseen as the Secretary of the Department of Homeland Security. She was also apparently blindsided by the White House deciding to pull aid 
from those three central triangle nations, Honduras, uh, El Salvador, and Guatemala. Remember that uh, it wasn't long before the White House announced that they were going to pull aid to those countries that she was in Honduras talking about how important aid to those countries is to preventing uh, further waves of migrants heading to the United States. Look, this is an issue that President Trump has been talking about since he rode down the escalator and announced that he was running for president. It is central to his presidency. He's been frustrated time and time again uh, with officials within his own administration, his former attorney general, Jeff Sessions, uh, with Congress because they don't give him money to build his border wall. So it appears that the president is swinging the revolving door yet again, trying to install new people in his administration to carry out his bidding. So here's the deal. This is, ostensibly, uh, this is ostensibly a good thing that Kirsten Nelson isn't going to be around. However, the devil you know is not always worse than the devil you don't know. So we don't really know what's gonna, how this is going to transform the situation. Now, the problem I have here and the thing that I think is most scary is the fact that immigration... And Donald Trump's hateful view and the new narrative that we're getting ready to play for you here that he's spinning, that we're just, we're all filled up, everybody. No room for anybody. Get the fuck out of here. Sorry. Sorry. Gotta go. Sorry. All full. Sorry. All of that is Stephen Miller's pet project. Stephen Miller and Kirsten Nielsen didn't get along. They butted heads. Kirsten Nielsen was a John Kelly holdover. She got the job because she was recommended for the job. She was an undersecretary of Homeland Security under General John Kelly. So it should give every American who loves this country and the rule of law and the open nature with which we treat immigrants and refugees... It should give them pause that Stephen Miller is the tip of the spear of this particular policy. I just briefly mentioned that Donald Trump is shifting the narrative now. This is a thing you're going to start hearing a lot because it seems to be something he's starting to repeat. He was down at the border in Calexico and he gave this brief little announcement and then I'm going to play another thing from the next day where he repeated it again, leading me to believe this is going to be the new narrative. Whether it's asylum, whether it's uh, anything you want, it's illegal immigration. Can't take you anymore. We can't take you. Our country is full. Our area is full. The sector is full. Can't take you anymore. I'm sorry. Can't happen. So turn around. That's the way it is. Turn around, that's the way it is. Our country is full. The area is full. <laughs> and let me think of a real technical term. The sector is full. <laughs> I'm Donald Trump and I'm a fucking moron. Oh, I, I just love, does he think that there's like a, a large TV that is turned on in, <laughs> you know, Central America right. and everyone is standing in front of it. Just, just waiting for the words of Donald Trump. Yeah. Watching his oh, announcement. Sorry, guys. The sector's full. Right. We just Turn got around. word. We just got word, guys. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the very respected president of the United States just spoke and his word is it's, it's bomb. Mm. He's not a liar at all. No. What he says goes. Yes. He repeated this 
at a speech, a f- more formal speech, not him sitting in his like black, you know, like windbreaker yeah. with 45 or the president or whatever the fuck on it. Mm-hmm. He repeated this in a speech where he's refining it, getting a little bit more aggressive, getting a little bit more hateful, peppering in the sorries with the get the fuck outs. So Congress must end catch and release so that illegal border crosses can be quickly and safely returned to their home. Get out. Sorry, get out. Sorry, can't handle it. And I told my people yesterday, our country's full. We're full. Our system's full. Our country is full. Can't come in. Our country is full. What can you do? We can't handle anymore. Our country is full. Can't come in. I'm sorry. Well, you're not sorry, you fucking mook. And we're not full. What, what does that even mean? Mm-hmm. If we're too, we're so overflowing just to the brim full we can't take on um refugees then what does that mean for regular processed legal immigration are we too full for that too this is something maybe next episode i'll i'll pull that clip where where jim acosta and stephen miller in the white house briefing room they kind of come to to loggerheads arguing about this Mm mm-hmm where our immigration's not based on a poem, Jim, Jim, Jim. The fucking painted-on-hair douchebag, Stephen Miller. Anyway, I-, I just wanted to talk about this, briefly get it on the radar, because this is something that's going to continue. This is going to be... What we need to do now is start thinking about this. This is 2020 time, folks. Donald Trump is going to... First of all, there's going to be a couple more cultural issues that Donald Trump gloms onto that he creates out of whole cloth to run with into 2020. He's going to need more than just policy issues to talk about. He's going to need fabricated bullshit, like kneeling for the anthem, things like that, like straws. Brittany has been fired up watching these morons on Twitter take pictures of their Cokes with straws in them to own the libs. Yeah, well, it's it's more than that. It's that they're making it like a prominent feature of their personality <laughs> that right. they use a straw. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, that's their personality. Right. I'm awesome. I yeah. use a straw. Fuck Congratulations. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Which Good if job. Use, if you use a straw, you don't use a straw. You're not, I mean, your one straw is not fucking hurting anything. You're not making a difference either way, dipshit. I mean, how hard is it to just not use a straw? Like, people are acting like this is such a tremendous inconvenience. And, I mean, I am having to get used to it. I I don't use straws anymore at restaurants when they they generally ask you now. Um, Here they do in California. Yeah, I don't know how it is in other places, but they'll ask you, do you want a straw? They don't deny you a straw. They're like, right. Do you want one? They just don't automatically give it anymore. That's right. And like during the drought, they didn't automatically give you a glass of water. Right. You had to ask for that. Yeah. And so I always say no. And I have been drinking without a straw and it has been perfectly fine. Everything's fine. So you know what it's like to be a straight white man. <laughs> you got a fucking target on your back, Brittany Page. So tough out there. <laughs> so tough. So anyway, water hits the front of your teeth now. Oh, I know. It's It's a bummer. Clickety clack. Yeah. Clickety clack with the ice. (laughs) So I'm just saying to keep an eye out and not let's not get sucked into this. Some of this stuff's going to need to be addressed. But let's not get emotionally invested in the bullshit. 
because that is exactly what it is. He's going to need these types of wedge issues to set himself apart from the Bernie Sanderses and the, the, the Beddoes and the Pete Buttigieg's and the Elizabeth Warrens. I'm trying to, to think of the, the Kamala Harris's. Mm-hmm. You know, so just be aware, I guess, is is the the theme the theme of the day the theme that, that I'm that I'm getting at here taking care of biz Ruben Garcia Ruben Garcia Ruben Garcia is a man who lives in El Paso, Texas border town with Juarez, Mexico. He is the founder and executive director of Annunciation House, an El Paso nonprofit organization that has sheltered migrants for more than 40 years. Hmm. Right now, he is looking for an empty warehouse because he knows that the number of migrants coming over the border is increasing, and he wants to be able to help them have a place to go when they are released from the Border Patrol. Hmm. And... I was reading this article about him. It's it's in the Washington Post. Ruben Garcia has sheltered migrants in El Paso for over four decades with a crush at the border. He now needs a warehouse. That's the title of the article in case you want to read it. But we'll also put it on the Facebook page and the Twitter page at I Doubt It Podcast on Twitter. Yeah. At I Doubt It Podcast <laughs> on the Twitter. Yes. And I was so moved while reading this article that I was crying at several points because this man is a religious person, a Christian, and I don't think he's a liberal. But when you read this article, he is he feels it is his responsibility to do something to help vulnerable people. Yeah. And this is a quote, quote, I see my role as simply being there for one of the most vulnerable vulnerable groups of people on the planet. That is what I've been doing all of these years and we have to continue to do that. And in this article, he talks about his relationship with ICE and Border Patrol and how over the years his relationship with them has changed and they will call him and call him Mr. Garcia and ask if he can take a certain number of people. And he said in this article, quote, I've noted an increase in their acknowledgement that these are human beings and a greater desire to treat them as human beings. He has noticed that change. That's what he says. Huh. And again, this is someone who's been doing this for 40 years. So. Um, I think it's interesting if that's the case, given how terrible things still are, <laughs> that there have been improvements. Yeah, you know, it's a national emergency. It's a crisis at the border, Brittany mm-hmm. Page. Mm-hmm. He also said, quote, I think people don't understand what it's like to lose everything. How could you not want to help them? Yeah, goddamn. That, that's, listen, we talk about Christianity on the show and about how this white nationalist Christianity is not what Jesus taught at all. This guy seems to be living, breathing, and acting on the red letters in mm-hmm. the Bible. Well, and I really liked this quote, too. He said, quote, no one gets off the hook, whether a person of faith or an agnostic. I believe all of us have to wrestle with the question of what to do with the gift given to me that I can occupy this place on the planet. And so what is he it's doing? Beautiful. What is he doing with his place on the planet? Right. He is dedicating his time to helping those that are vulnerable. Yeah. And so I I think he's a great choice. Yeah. What do you think Jesus did 
I'm not yelling really at anybody, it, it, just at the, at the issue. That's what Jesus did. His whole life was embodied about helping those who were vulnerable, hanging out with the, with, with the, the low, hanging out with the, 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 the prostitutes and the lepers and the less than. That's what, that's what we should all aspire to do. Maybe not this what this guy's doing with his flavor, but everybody should be trying to impact the world positively in their own little way. And kudos to this guy. Seriously, taking care of biz. Yeah, and I'll end it with the way that the article ends. A reporter made a comment about who the biggest donors were to his organization, Annunciation House. And he said, I'll tell you a story about a donor. And he stopped in the middle of the parking lot, silencing his phone. Um, the, the article goes on. A few years after he opened Annunciation House, he said a destitute mother from Mexico with two sick children showed up one day at his door. She collapsed on the floor outside his office. He took the family in. A few days later, when Garcia got a call from a contact looking for someone to clean her house, he asked the mother whether she wanted the job. When she returned at the end of the day, she showed him the money she'd earned, $15. Quote, she gave me 10 and told me to save it for her, Garcia said. Then she gave me the five and told me to give it to someone who might need it more, wow. who was even poorer than she was. That, Garcia said, was the biggest donation we've ever received. It's like a parable in the Bible. Mm -hmm. What he considers the biggest gift is probably the smallest gift that he's ever gotten. The smallest donation for this guy was the biggest because it meant the most to her. It's, that's beautiful. So if we could start elevating people like this to positions yeah. of power, that would be great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Rewarding people like this with positions of power, I think, is an important thing that society needs to start loving to do. Yeah, we are definitely going to put that on the Facebook page and uh, share that on Twitter. Yeah. That's uh god, that's fucking fantastic. Ruben Garcia. R Ruben Garcia. Taking care of his tears again. Mm -hmm. two, show, two shows in a row. That's life. What the fuck is wrong with me? <laughs> That's life. Well, also, if you start crying, then it's just a fucking waterworks over here. Yeah. Well, I cry all the time. <laughs> anyway, we love you guys. We're going to leave you there. Um, if you love what we do, why don't you help us out on Patreon? Go to dollamore.com slash Patreon. That works, right? Yeah. TeamDollamore.com. Yeah. That also works. Yeah. Also, if you love what, what we do, go rate and review the show on the Apple Podcast app or whatever app you use. If there's a way to rate and review the show, please transmit to other viewers that you love the show, that we mean something to you, that you think what we do is funny or good or bad or fuck those guys, whatever. I mean, not whatever. I mean, Save it if you got something shitty to say, <laughs> to say. But we love you guys. We appreciate you. This is a family effort here. We, we love the community that we've all built together here. And we want to see it flourish and add new members. Tell a friend. Tell a relative. Tell a, tell a co-worker who might enjoy the show. We'd love, to, we'd love to welcome them in with open arms like a Ruben Garcia type. You know, friendly. Friendly like Brittany mm -hmm. Page. Yes. Anyway, we'll see you next time, guys. We'd love to hear from you. I never dropped the phone number the entire show. We want to hear from you. 
sound off like Alex did about the homework. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email voice memos from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. Until next time, for Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. So it, it was the perfect opportunity for me to be a little extra hateful. 